0: Welcome to the Creative Push, an intimate and diverse artist interview series. I'm Sherry O'Neill, a photographer, artist, writer, and educator. Here, artists and makers of all kinds share tips, advice, knowledge, and inspiration that you can learn from each week. This series is a part of the Learn and Create platform to help artists further their education in creativity, art, and business. Today, I've got Randy Purcell here. He is a local artist in Nashville, Tennessee. He works with beeswax. Welcome, Randy.
1: Hello, thanks, Sherry. Um, glad to be here. The process I do is an encaustic technique and I, could, I just call it ink transfer on beeswax. I'm basically transferring the ink off of magazine pages onto a thin layer of beeswax. Kinda got a mosaic look to it or an inlay look. Um, Bits and pieces of magazine is pieced together to create a larger image. Two magazines can look identical but the transfer will be different. The feel and the weight of the paper could be the same, but the ink quality is different. Some of them will transfer well and some of them won't, but the ones that do transfer well, it's so hard to remove the paper. Cause you know, I'm laying that ink on top of the beeswax. Then I sand it lightly and I spray it with water and I have to rub the paper off. And some of them, it's like you rub, and you gotta put a lot of pressure on it just to get that paper off. It, it's a workout.
0: What? attracted you to beeswax transfers? Were you painting before that and you just wanted to try a different medium or was it? You
1: know, it started at MTSU when I was at, in college. The whole semester was just trying all these different media. And so when we got to encaustic painting process, my professor, she laid out wax melting on a hot plate and she had panels sitting around different types of surfaces. We could put the wax on. We had pigment to mix in with the wax, because most encaustic painters will mix pigment with the wax and paint it while it's hot onto a surface. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like doing a regular painting. It's just the difference is you you move it from a hot pan to the canvas, the wood, whatever you're painting on, and the pigments into it. And it of course cools and it hardens. Well this she got to the point where she showed us you can also do a transfer of a photo. And I thought, oh that's really cool. At the time, I was taking a lot of photographs of old barns, and I wanted to somehow incorporate my photos, but most encaustic artists, when they do a transfer, they're just transferring a black and white image. It works. It's easy, and they're usually small scale, and and not many encaustic artists work very large. That class kind of got to me the thinking, and and for a couple years, I dabbled with it, um, the transfer process just straight from a magazine, an image of a barn or whatever on top of a piece of wood. I did a project where I did 50 little barn shapes cut out of barn wood, then I transferred this farm scenes on top of them. That was a really cool installation, I guess you could say, because there's all of these, these 50 different shaped barns on the wall, and then if you got close, you could see that transfer. It was harder to see because the wood was a little bit darker than what I paint on now. I thought, okay, I want to do something similar to this, but I want to go large scale. And so I just played with it over the years. And, and at the time, I was still painting in acrylics. I wanted to go larger, so I just started piecing things together. I thought, well, if I can paint a small image in three or four parts, why can't I piece together 10 parts, 20 parts, or 100 parts? And you know, and eventually, I got to the point where I was making myself paint these 16 by 20s and then i went i did a couple of triptychs that were 44 by 48. You
0: how long does it take you to do something like
1: that? you know it it varies I, it's it's so hard to come up with a timeline on a painting because it depends on how fast i find the colors i want i like a, i got a tube of paint over here that's yellow and i'm like oh i need some yellow and you squeeze it out and you use it i'm like i need some yellow and i need to cover this big of an area when I when I tear out a magazine page and I get the yellow out of it, I throw it in one of those boxes. so sometimes I go through these boxes looking for colors. So yeah, it, on a a sixteen by twenty painting could take anywhere from two days to a week. You know, this depends on how fast I find materials, how detailed the the composition is. You know, architectural pieces tend to take longer because there's a lot of small little nuances that I like to make sure I get into the the details of the painting. Animals tend to go a little bit quicker just because, you know, when you're doing the fur or the hair of the the dog or whatever it is, you can play around with that a little bit more. If I'm looking for specific colors, I don't have to have a a certain size or shape. I can just make them as big or as small as I want.
0: Where do you find your paper?
1: My magazines mostly come from Cigar Aficionado right now, Whiskey Advocate, Veranda Magazine, sometimes Architectural Digest. You can get a lot of paintings out of a few magazines. If I need the specific colors, maybe I have to go through more magazines to get the right blue. Do you
0: buy your wax locally?
1: I actually get it from uh, beekeepers locally. When I was at MTSU, we just used the store-bought stuff that you get at an art supply store. But I was having trouble with it because when you buy from those places, they're super refining the beeswax. So they're getting all the impurities out of it. So you get this nice... Almost white product. It was super clear. At some point, I got a hold of some candle wax that was a little less processed. And I noticed the transfer technique worked a little bit easier for me, but it was tackier. So I reached out to a local beekeeper and he said, Yeah, he says, I sell to candle makers all the time. So I started buying from him. And then one day I called him up. I was low on beeswax and I had a couple of big paintings come up. And he says, He says, Randy, he said, I don't have anything that's been filtered yet. He says, All I have is this. The cappings. The cappings is what they scrape off. It's got all the junk from the beehive. Scrape it off to get to the honey. And they just throw it in a big bucket. It has all kinds of stuff in it and including honey. So what you do is you render it. And he said, if you're if you don't mind doing the rendering yourself, I'll give you a, you know, a big bucket full of it. And I was like, sure. I don't know what that means. So I just got <laughs> on Google and found some YouTube videos on how to render beeswax. And so I did it. And it's a it's a pain. There's, there's a machine that spins the honey out of the honeycomb. So usually it gets real clean. And somebody like me, I just, I have a big turkey pan that I put a, a wire over, not chicken wire, but that gridded wire. And I've laid paper towels on that. And underneath it, in the pan, there's a little bit of water. And then you put the chunks of the cappings, the chunks of beeswax with all the junk in it on top of the the paper towel, you stick it in the oven for a couple hours on like 200 degrees. So it's warm enough to where it melts, like 180 degrees will melt the beeswax. So about 200 degrees is good, but it takes a long time for it to melt it down. If you go too high, you burn it. 200 degrees, sometimes I'll push it to 225 if I'm in a hurry. What happens is the wax and the honey will melt through the paper towel. All the impurities will stay on top. In the pan at the bottom with the water will have the honey, which will it's heavier than the wax, so it'll sink to the bottom of the water and the wax will stay on top. When it cools, you have that skim on top of beeswax, and depending on how much you have on top, depending on how thick it is. But even after doing that, there's still honey that sticks to the beeswax. And so when you take it out, you've got these chunks. Then I throw them in a crock pot and I (laughs) melt it again. It still has that tackiness. So then I brush it onto these panels I paint on. Because it's that close to coming out of the beehive and has the honey in it, it's tackier. So the ink sticks to it a little bit better. What a beekeeper will do is before they render theirs, they'll take those chunks and leave it sitting outside where (laughs) bees can come and get the honey out of it before they render it down
0: what inspired you to want to create how do you get into that
1: place i think part of the process for me was because it was so different you know for when i first figured out that i could do this i thought i need to find some other artists doing this and kind of see what they're making so i'm Mm -hmm. not copying somebody because i wanted to stand out as you know my own thing when i got to researching this in 2010 or 11 I couldn't find anybody else doing it and so i thought well i'm gonna do some videos and post them on youtube and share it on social media and see if i can get somebody to kind of guide me to some other people doing this and nobody was i was just getting people from all around the world thinking how cool was that so early on the process was exciting because it was just so fresh and new and then as i've done it now in my mind it's the challenge and the excitement to know that whatever subject matter I choose, I can somehow make it different. Just because the variety of magazines that I have, the textures I can put into a painting is endless. Over the years, I keep finding things that I didn't figure out early on. and I'm like, oh, I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know I could do this. It's funny you do something for 10 years, you think you have it all figured out, but something to learn. A true encaustic painter will cook in damar resin, which is a tree resin. It's a natural product and it's not dangerous if it's handled properly, but if you accidentally get it too hot, then it becomes toxic. And the reason they use that is it hardens the wax. So the melting point with damar resin in the beeswax is probably 20 or 30 degrees higher than what mine is. True encaustics, they, they layer a lot too. So an encaustic painter's process may end up with a panel that's half inch thick of beeswax pigmented and they'll collage into it they'll do an ink transfer into it so it's all these different layers that's what gives it that that luminous look other than just the beeswax they do have it's like a glazing process almost my process i'm a 32nd of an inch thick that thin layer of ink off a magazine page and then as thin of a layer as i can put on a piece of wood of beeswax and then i seal it With a varnish.
0: If someone asked you what creativity is to you, how would you how would you answer that question?
1: I always think of being a kid and just letting your mind wander and applying it. Not just thinking things, but thinking the things and then having this follow through. So creativity to me is is following through and having you know some kind of you're 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 searching out an answer to a question that maybe it makes no sense to nobody else and doesn't matter or it could
0: with the pandemic and everything that's happened in the last year has it changed your outlook with your art i mean obviously we don't have large gatherings for art openings and community part of it that's so important for art
1: it has changed and i think for the better you know a lot of things been put off our livelihood has changed a little bit because We're not doing those events and and putting our work in front of people to generate an income. But with that said, it's made us kind of pivot our thoughts on how we are as artists. I can't make money this way. How else can I do it? Or how can I use this time to benefit me when things do get back to some new normal? If I get to the point where I can go back to having exhibits with large crowds, what do I want that to look like? So there's been a lot of rethinking in that process of playing with new ideas is you know gone through the roof you know some days i come in the studio and i still have specific things i have to get done but i'm allowing myself on many days to just come in here and and play weird idea maybe i wake up in the morning i'm like man i wonder if i did this what would happen so i come in here and i put that into action and just see what that looks like and playing with collage i've been playing with colors shapes and you know, just kind of enjoying the process of being an artist without the pressure of having to be in, in groups.
0: You yeah. believe that it's probably made you a little more creative. It's brought a, a little bit of maybe a new channel of creativity out of you that you might not have had, had it not given you that time and space.
1: Maybe the creativity's been there. It's just it's been muddied up with the pressure of leaving the house to do these certain things all the time or that mentality of and I do have a show coming up. so this is what I'm going to do. And then you just get in that work mode. You're just knocking stuff out. You're producing a product. And I feel now that that's changed. And I, I had a talk with myself um, several months ago and I made myself say, I'm not going to make anything that doesn't excite me. If it's an experiment, that's fine. But if I'm going to do a painting, I want it to be a painting that there's a reason why I'm doing it. I'm not just doing it because, oh, that would be cool. The biggest thing you fall into as an artist is worrying about making money. You create work for the audience, and it's good on the short term, but at some point, it burns you out and your work isn't genuine anymore, and I think it really shows when an artist is creating to fit what should sell instead of what they want to create.
0: What do you want to learn moving forward? Like, what are some things you'd like to learn?
1: God, that list is long, Sherry. I wanna learn how to uh, throw pottery. I fired some clay pots and stuff when I was in MTSU. I really like that. I wanna get back into oil painting. I did some of that in college and a little throughout the years.
0: Do you have any specific things or very weird that you consider weird or strange habits or collections or anything like that that you'd wanna share?
1: I used to go to yard sales or estate sales occasionally and I didn't go looking for anything specific, but if I saw something I thought could be a cool thing to have for art later, I would buy it. Here's one thing I've collected over the years. We hike the Jones Mill bike trail quite often. I'm constantly finding these little reflectors that <laughs> tires. We hike, I come home with one or two of those, and, and I have a box of those <laughs> in my garage. I went to an estate sale and I bought these uh, cigar boxes in this old barn. There's like 10 or 20 of them. And every cigar box had a different thing in it. I could have been friends with this old guy because one had old gaskets in it. One had stickers that were like letter, you know, the the letters and number stickers. One had house keys or car keys. One had bulbs from a car. Those are in my garage still. I collect every scrap piece of wood I cut. So if I do go out in the garage and work, I bet I've got 30 boxes of just chunks of different sizes of wood just because I think they're cool shapes. I'm gonna do some sculpture work with this stuff one day and I have played with it a little bit, but.
0: You as an artist, as a successful artist, is there anything that you'd wanna offer maybe to an up and coming artist or even just someone who's looking for a new hobby?
1: If you're gonna have a hobby and it's gonna be art related, make it something that challenges you and makes you think different about what you do full time giving yourself plenty of variety don't don't get bombarded with one process and feel like you have to be a perfectionist it's good to have one thing that you do well and that you're known for but don't let that be your everything any idea i have i write it down if i think it's something whether it's a good idea or not i write it down that way i have a record of it i get it out of my mind And then if I'm having one of those moments where I'm not feeling inspired, maybe I I just sit down and I start going through those books, read some of the ideas I put down. And maybe at the time they weren't a good idea, but now I'm in a different place and I'm doing different things. And I'm like, oh, I could use that here now.
0: Well, cool. Well, Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. How can people see your work? Where can they go?
1: Randy L. Purcell.com is my website. And if you want to find me on any social media platform, it's Randy L. Purcell. I have a YouTube channel, several videos. Somebody wants to see my process.
0: Anything new coming up that you want people to know is happening outside of maybe signing up for your mail list?
1: Hopefully by this fall, we'll start getting back into larger groups and my Mystery Art League that's going to have an element of solving a mystery or solving riddles, and there's prizes at the end of the night. So you, you have to look into the artwork a little closer than you normally would, maybe. We're hoping that we'll continue to use augmented reality. If not, we'll make the paintings where there there's hidden clues in it by symbolism or colors or shapes. We did one event last year. We, we could only do a small test run, but it was a big hit, and we had Plans to show it at uh, Two Rivers Mansion, but unfortunately it got canceled.
0: Well, thanks for being willing to talk to me for a little bit.
1: Enjoyed it.